0: Honest, honky-talk, and opinions. This is Penalty Box Radio. Live! With Alex Doherty and Sean Smith. On Smashville's Best Sports Talk, 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and the Game Nashville app.
1: And welcome to Penalty Box Radio Live presented by Silas Realty Group. Silas Realty Group, your premier destination for Nashville Tennessee Real Estate and we're also brought to you by the Nashville Spartans. Nashville's one and only junior hockey team based in Owensville. I am your host, Alex Daugherty. Joining me today as always is Sean Smith. Sean, what's up?
2: Not not much. Alex, pretty excited. Uh, saw some good hockey over the weekend up in up in the Milwaukee area with the with uh, my son's team playing and, and heard some good Preds hockey on the radio. Pretty pretty jazzed up to get back at it today.
1: Well, the only thing that uh, I did over the last few days was get a cold, so I have oh. uh, battling that a little bit tonight. But we're going to soldier on and bring you some hockey talk as well, or as as usual today on the show. We are going to recap the middle stretch of the Preds road trip where they beat Edmonton but lost to Seattle and Vancouver. Uh, we're going to talk about. Um, I'm sorry, Calgary. <laughs> sorry, uh, we're going to talk about. Maybe one guy who is playing for a big contract over the summer. Uh, I think that's going to be a a big conversation that we're going to have over the course of the next year based on how he's playing right now. We're also going to talk to Eric Dune, who covers the Preds for Penalty Box Radio on the website. Great prospect coverage from him. We're going to check in with him for a little prospect coverage. That's going to be fun. Can't wait. And then we're going to get a check-in with uh, how—well, then we're going to finish off with the three-on-three draft, right? Ooh. Yeah course we gotta need do to, that
2: need to get back in the in the win column
1: well let's let's get our puck drop topic started um sean how worried are you about the team's penalty kill unit they're like they're 30th in the league okay and they're 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 just under 70 percent okay well, it's how, not how, how worried are you i'm kind of worried alex
2: okay I don't, I don't know. I, here's the thing. You, you say it's early in the season and you've still got time for things to turn around, but you're seeing good results out of the power play, but the penalty kill not so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start seeing numbers, gosh, where your team's ranked in the 30s, they, there's only three teams that can be in the 30s, Alex. Those are the last three teams yep. in the league. And when That's you're, a great point. When you see a three there, unless it's third place, you know it's bad news. That's right. I don't like it, and you know we've we've talked about well when the power play is doing well, you know that's brunette coaching it, but when it's not doing well, it's somebody else. I want to know who's coaching the penalty kill and why is it so
1: bad? That would be Dan Highnote. Oh no, because normally, uh, well, I mean, last year the the unit was really great, really great. I mean, it was a top unit in the in the league, top ten at least, and they uh, it was like probably the one thing that they did well all year last year. <laughs> that's I mean it's true it, it it was a great unit and the personnel has not really changed. I mean it's basically the same same unit. Um, so you wonder I I think the answer to my, the answer to the question that I have is I I'm not all that worried about it. I think it's a great I think in the in the end that unit's going to pull it together and and get some stops but man they've of the last I mean they've they've gone like I think five of the last six games they've allowed a power play goal they had they allowed two power play goals in three of their first four games it's just like uh you know there's just not really going i think part of it also is you know your best penalty killer is your goaltender UC Saros always starts slow and there's no dif- no different this year uh in that regard so i i, I think i think they'll be okay
2: i think and something you got to take into consideration too is is the what we would say is the kind of thing we're getting used. This the traditional UC sorrow slow start. Yeah. It's not it's not ideal, but it's also not an indicator that things are headed south. It actually should let you know that things are kind of on course.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the last few games. So since we last had a show, the Predators played Seattle, Edmonton and Calgary. Let's talk about the Seattle game first. Um Tommy Novak has a power play goal that was a beautiful play. A little tic-tac-toe bumper play that put Nashville up 1-0. But Seattle answers back with a power play goal goal of their own. And then Jared McCann makes it 2-1 at the end of the first. Then Roman Yossi hammers one home to tie it up at 2. Somehow then, right after that, Brian Dumoulin scores. Sean, (laughs) do you know how many career goals Brian Dumoulin has?
2: I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I do.
1: Twenty goals in his eleven-year career. He scores about three goals a year. Wow! And he just got one, and this was against the Predators. So not a guy who fills up the score the 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 score sheet quite all that often. But he he scored in that game, and then Vince Dunn gets one, and uh, Nashville just couldn't get anything in the final minute. Seattle they uh, they they lose to Seattle in that game four to two. So not a great start. Not a great you know follow up from the Vancouver loss as well, and then they go to Edmonton, and. I mean, I think everyone kind of assumed, I think we even talked about it last week, that that was going to be a loss. Right?
2: Well, I mean, you've got to go with recent history. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't really sit around and say, like, well, uh, recent uh, record says that they have a good chance. It actually would be... Uh, going well against the trend if they were able to pull off the victory. But
1: they were able to do it, Alex. For the first time in five years, the Predators beat the Oilers in regulation. They've beaten them in overtime recently, but in regulation they beat the Oilers for the first time in five years. The last time they did that, October of 2018, some scorers on that team for the Predators, P.K. Subban, Victor Arvidson, Roman Yossi scored. It was a 3-0 shutout win. Wow. Uh, Soros uh, getting the shutout win on that one. Um, this was kind of an amazing game to watch. Just the Preds really took advantage of their chances, which is not something they do very often against uh, Edmonton. You had the transition wraparound goal by uh, Philip Forsberg. That was pretty neat. Yeah, Ma- got Mark- to love that. Mark DelGaiso getting his first assist. That's pretty neat.
2: That's exciting.
1: Yeah, a really, really cool moment from him, you know, getting uh, getting the – The start there and and finally getting into the NHL, that was awesome. And getting a point. Ryan O'Reilly gets a hat trick. So let's talk about these Ryan O'Reilly goals for a second.
2: Let's do it. I'm excited. Man,
1: first of all, he he does so many things well. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is just – I've talked about it already several times, but he's such an impressive player for so many reasons. But I think one of the things that I like about him is – there's not one thing that he does poorly i th- i think i think everything he does pretty well and some things he does exceptionally well but he can be in front of the net and fight for space and find loose pucks he can make incredible passes across the slot to Philip Forsberg which is what happened on that uh um i'm sorry it, he can he didn't actually make the pass he received the pass but he can he can make plenty of passes across everywhere on the ice and then he can also play defense. He can win win faceoffs. He can fight for pucks. He can chip pucks out when they need to get chipped out. He can block shots. He does so many things well.
2: He's funny on commercials.
1: <laughs> That's true. He is. He is good at that. But man, I mean, the guy like it, it was his fifth career hat trick, I believe. Wow. First with Nashville, obviously. Um, I think the my I think the best play I think was that first goal though, just where he just kind of plows right through Darnell Nurse and finds the empty. The, the loose puck and the empty net and puts it in.
2: Well, That's what you want to see is you want to see someone who's not afraid not only to crash the net, but can also make the play once they do. And, yeah. and you, you can get a lot of players who just through brute strength can get up there and crash in, but yeah. getting there, finding the puck and then finding the opening to get it into the net. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's a rare quality to find in a player, I believe.
1: Yeah. So then let's talk about the Calgary game and, I think in order to get a feel for the Calgary game, I'd like to actually play a little bit of uh, of Andrew Burnett from after the game because this I think sets it up well. The Predators lost this game and did not look great, and I want you to hear, I want the listeners to hear, because I heard this after the game and I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is kind of, this is the coach laying it out there." Yeah. This is this is the most of most of or all of the the post game from last night in Calgary with the Predators losing. Uh, so let's hear that, Andrew Burnett, after the game, not happy with the way his team played. So we'll we'll get that in a second. But basically, the the team the the, the Preds went up two to one, somehow despite getting outplayed at both ends, and there were some pretty good plays. The Novak Evangelista Sherwood goal was a really nice play. Uh, the Flames kind of dominated the game. The biggest problem I think with that game, the way it unfolded, they were up two to one, Sean. Yeah. In the third period going into the third period and then got two shots in the final third period somehow lead, letting a 2 to 1 lead turn into a 4 to 2 deficit
2: yeah that's that's less than ideal I, yeah. I, i'm i'm telling you i i don't know just that level of What's the word of it? We've talked about it in a previous show. The level of, of wanting to win just didn't seem like it was there.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the audio. We're still having some issues with the audio. But I, let me read you a, a quote. This is from Emma Lingan, who uh, is the one that asked him the question. Uh, here, here was the kind of the money quote that I thought from Brunette. he said, "I think all of all of our games this year." This is the first game that I walked away really disappointed in our group. I thought it was very flat. It wasn't anywhere near as good as we can play. So, mind you, that the the team has lost several games already. Right. And he's, you know, said that he's been disappointed with some things before. But for him to think this was the worst game or this was the game that he was the most disappointed, I think it says a lot.
2: Well, you know, for me, and I, I would agree, you know, I think, I think Preds fans over the past couple seasons are used to being disappointed in performances. I think that's a pretty common refrain from fans is that it just doesn't seem like they wanted it, and so to go out there, especially with that lead and lose it, that's that's not a good thing.
1: Yeah. So I mean that that was a, that was a rough game, and now the now the Predators are what are they two and three on the road trip, and need need one more in order to. Just get 500. Is that right? Uh, yeah, two and three on the road trip. No, no, I'm sorry. They're one and three on the road trip. Ooh. They have one more game to go, so they're they're gonna lose more games on the road trip than they're gonna win. They need to salvage it by getting something in Winnipeg tomorrow. We'll yeah. talk about that one later. But yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a rough kind of a rough situation in Calgary, and and you wonder what exactly happened. They didn't even have Andrew Manji upon their their top scorer. They've been struggling too. Maybe it's a little bit of bad luck, but you know, I think I think regardless, you know, you got to walk away and think uh, you need to come away with something against Winnipeg. Uh, Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Tommy Novak because there's a guy who I think is going to need a new con. Well, he is going to need a new contract, and I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation to have. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Preds fans ready for the
2: faceoff, just like hockey, home buying is all about strategy and timing. Salus Realty Group knows this game well. They're the MVPs of Nashville Real Estate, getting you the win with every transaction. Find your champion property at salusrealtygroup.com. Salus Realty Group, the power play for your home search.
1: And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio Live, brought to you by Salas Realty Group. Salas Realty Group, your premier destination for Nashville, Tennessee real estate. Um, Sean, so uh, I'd like to talk about Tommy Novak for a minute.
2: Okay, we don't talk about him a lot, so this will be a new thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're kind of the Tommy <laughs> Novak show, really. By that's the way, fine. let me let me just mention: if you want to text the show, you can do that 615-737-1025. If you have things to say about Tommy Novak or about any other Nashville Predators players or or uh, anything uh, NHL or hockey related, give us a text and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. But specifically, Tommy Novak. Yeah, especially if and if you are Tommy Novak and you would like to text, you can feel free yeah, to do that fine. too. I'm sure he's listening while he's playing Rocket League. Probably big Rocket League player Tommy Novak is. Um, So here's the issue. Um, He's going to need a contract. Yeah. He is currently at a $800,000 contract, and he will be a UFA at the end of this season. And there is no doubt in anyone's mind that they need to sign this guy.
2: I I hope there's no doubt in anyone's mind. I mean, it seems kind of obvious that the guy who's producing – a lot of your offense. I mean, just involved in every aspect of offensive production on the team. Uh, probably needs to come back to the team next year.
1: Yeah. So he's twenty. He's going to be twenty-seven years old, and he's going to be. Um, it's going to be a UFA, and that's a big moment for him because you know it. Not being an RFA, he doesn't have to sign here. He has some options. The team can currently negotiate with him to to figure out if they if he wants to sign long term. And I think there's, there's a lot of feeling around the around the, the team that this is the kind of guy that they want to sign long term, and the the reason is because he does so many things well, right? Oh yeah,
2: I, I mean again, like I said before. He's not just scoring goals; he's making goals happen with other people. He's he's involved in just about. It seems like he's involved in just about every every goal that happens. And and honestly, he's good on the power play. He's he's great five on five, and beyond that, he's also a pretty strong two way player.
1: So what I did was I, I went and looked at now. Here's the problem: his his age and current you know situation in the in the NHL is a little different than most. Right? He's he's going to be twenty seven. He's gonna be UFA, but he didn't really break out until now. You know, no. like this is this is uh this is not the normal, it's right? It's atypical. It's atypical. He's exploded in the last year, you know. And so if finding comparables to figure out what he might make is is tricky. I actually want to start I, I pulled a few. I want to start with the most obvious one, yeah. and that is Cody Glass. Right. So Cody Glass signs a contract this past summer with Nashville, where he makes two five million dollars two years, so that's two and a half million dollars a year. Um, I think that's a good deal. I think that's a great deal for for the Predators. I think two and a half million for what Cody Cody Glass brings you is great. So I think, but in my opinion, I think Novak is a little better. Oh, I think in, in terms of well, I think his, his value should be a little higher just because. You pay for goals.
2: I agree. You definitely pay for goals, and and he's making them happen.
1: Yeah, you pay for goals, and so I think the absolute floor of his annual average value, the okay. AAV, yeah, is two and a half. That's his floor. That's, that's right? fair.
2: I think that's fair. I'd agree with you on that.
1: <clears throat> I think it's actually probably closer to three. I think his his average value is probably closer to three. And the reason I came up with that number is because I started looking at some comparables. So the, one of one of that I found, and I think this might be the best one, is the contract that Michael Bunting signed with Carolina. So Michael Bunting, similar to similar to Novak, kind of didn't really break through until he was 26. Yeah, and that he did that with Toronto. Now he because he came up through Arizona, that's where he signed his ELC. Then he goes to Toronto and he gets uh, he gets basically put on lines with really, really talented players and producers, right? Six it's it hot. Yeah. Sixty point a sixty point season in twenty twenty one, a forty nine point season in twenty twenty two and twenty goal seasons of both years. So uh he's a wing, so he doesn't play center like like Novak does. But the production side, the style and the ability is kind of similar. I think it's a it's a fair comparison. It's not perfect. Now, every time that I do this contract stuff, comparables, there are people who are just like so mad. And oh they're yeah. like, how could you compare these two players? There's people, no way.
2: They get attached to certain players. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they think too poorly of others, and the the comparisons start coming, and it starts making people mad. It's yeah, just, it's it's like the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. It's gonna right.
1: happen. And and to that end, like there's there's almost no way that you can convince them that you're You're not saying they're the same player. No, you're saying they're close, and you're trying to find a comparable, right? It's like when you're buying or selling a house, right? You gotta like find a comparable house. You're not buying the same house, right? You're buying something that's similar to it. So Michael Bunting is similar. Anyways, the contract he signed, three years, thirteen and a half million. So that's a four and a half million dollar year salary. So I think that's probably close to the ceiling. Okay. Of, of Novak, so you see where I'm going with this. We got the. I see where you're going. We got a floor of two and a half or three, and we've got a ceiling of probably four and a half or five. Okay. Okay. Let me go to another contract. Here's another comparable for you, Max Domi. Now he is a center. Now Max Domi's career is a little different because Max Domi really had. He's almost kind of the opposite. Like he had kind of a really hot start. Yeah. And then kind of like hasn't really done yeah. a whole lot since he's kind of bounced around went to Mon- of course he went to Montreal he had years there he had Columbus he had Chicago briefly he had Dallas he's has- he's in Toronto now so Max Tommy's a little different he's definitely but production wise and the age wise I think it's kind of similar and the fact that he's a center um so he signed a 1 year deal worth 3 million so again right at the floor right yeah and I think if you're assuming that the trend line for Novak is going up, and the Max Domi trend line is either flat or going down, I think it's fair to say Tommy Novak is going to make more than three.
2: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah. Um, go ahead.
2: Are you? Are you do you want me to no. make a prediction, Alex? Do you? Oh, well, you're I, always pushing let me, give you, me.
1: Let me give you one more. Let me give you okay. one more. All right. And this is, I think, like outside the ceiling. Tyler Bertuzzi. He is. He is a wing. But he signs, um, he signs a five and a half million dollar contract uh, with Toronto. So Tyler Bertuzzi, little different player. I mean, he's he's considerably different and also younger. So I'm sorry, no, he was he's actually a little older. Sorry.
2: What's the what's the term on that one?
1: One year. One year. Okay. Yeah. One year. So that's the absolute ceiling. So l- why don't you make your prediction, then I'll I'll make mine. But um, yeah, what what do you think based on everything I just laid out for you?
2: Okay, so I I, I agree with you. I think. There's strong, strong reason to believe that he should probably be paid more than $2.5 million a year. Um, the, the, where it gets tricky for me, it's not so much what the upper end is. It's, it's the term, because I think we've been used to dealing with David Poyle's contracts for the entire existence of this team, and this, this is new. This is the Trotz era. It's not the David Poyle era. And while Tommy Novak may have come to the team under David Poyle, it's it's Trotz's turn to uh, to figure out how he's going to pay these guys. So I don't know how willing Trotz is going to be to extend some kind of long-term offer to Novak. So I, I'm going to say that you've got a, a limit here, an upper limit of three years on a contract. Okay, I wouldn't go four. I don't think he's willing to make those commitments without yeah. maybe uh, – a longer history of production is where I'm, I think, you know, this is a this is a new thing. Yeah. Granted, he's produced every time he's been at the NHL level, but this is his first sustained, like, you're on the roster opening night, you're playing every game situation, and he's producing. But I don't know if I'm ready to go the Michael Bunting route of four and a half. Okay. So I'm going to come in at is three and a half million a year for three years.
1: Okay, three by three and a half. Yeah. You know what's interesting is – we have a texter that texted in with their guess. Really, I'm going to read really? theirs first. Okay. This is Sean texting in. That It's not you. Oh. Because it's a different spelling. It's okay. a, w- a S-H-A-W-N. Oh, that's different. Sean thinks he's going to get four by three and a half. So okay. three and a half, but you said three by three and a half, I right? said three by three and a half. <clears throat> he said the same AAV, but he went with the fourth year.
2: Okay. Well, that's the, You know, I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just trying to think of what Trotz is going to do. Yeah. I'm not sure he's ready to make... I think really I'm with you. I, I think I'm
1: with you. I think four years would be a little tough. I, I, I my initial thought was two by five. Okay. Was getting yeah. him a two year deal, ten million, getting him a nice little chunk of money that they can they can get him here for a couple years, but still opens him up to a nice second, co- well not second contract, but a nice follow up contract yeah. after that, where if he proves he's worth five. He could actually make some pretty good money after that. He could be six, seven, eight. I mean, if he's like, if he continues this track, you know, um, the other option would be a a three by three. Okay. So a little bit less money, but a little bit more term for him, which he might be okay with, um, Three-by-three or three-by-three-and-a-half, I think, is is pretty good. Because three-by-three-and-a-half is what you said. I think that's probably – But
2: honestly, when you mention it, this two-by-five situation, you know, really, I think that may be better for both parties because, number one, it's going to give him more money. It's going to give him more money sooner. But at the same time, he's only got two years to – I don't mean it that way. What I mean is they're only committing to him for two years and giving him a chance to prove that – that next contract, that follow up contract can be bigger.
1: Absolutely. So I admit, yeah.
2: that might be a better deal for both parties. And there's
1: and there's, by the way, there's other contracts they gotta think about. They gotta think about right. Keith for Sherwood. I mean, do they want to sign him? I mean, I think I think they probably should. Like that guy's just producing. Yakov Trennan, it's time for time to pay Yak, right? Michael McCarron, that I don't see it, but you know, you know, they do like it. Same thing with Cole Smith. Cole Smith and Michael McCarron both need contracts. Right. Well, both are due contracts, I guess is what maybe a better way to say there it. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyways, we're going to talk about. Um, there's plenty more time to talk about Tommy Novak as we go on. Oh, uh, there's good. always room to talk about the him on this show. Tommy, he's fantastic. But after the break, we are going to talk to a guy who knows everything about Preds prospects. We're going to cover as much as we can: AHL, CHL, NCAA, everything. Eric Dune will join the show after the break talking about the Preds' prospects.
2: As we look ahead to the next predator showdown, it's the perfect time to plan your future in Nashville. Salus Realty Group is ready to assist, ensuring your real estate goals are met with the determination of a playoff chase. Visit salusrealtygroup.com and let's start mapping out your game plan. Salus Realty Group, where every closing is a championship victory.
1: Folks, you can join the Nashville Spartans, the hockey sensation of the city, experience thrilling games, family-friendly fun, and unity. Visit NashvilleSpartansHockey.com slash tickets, select your game, and use the promo code PBR50 for an exclusive 50% discount when checking out. Don't miss the excitement and be a part of Spartans Hockey today. Nice little junior hockey action going down in Nolensville down there uh, at the the Ford Ice. What is it called? The The Gary Gary Force Force. Acura (laughs) Ice Arena. (laughs) should probably get that right. Um... But speaking of prospects and speaking of young NHL or young hockey players, rather, um, we are going to talk with now Eric Dune, who is uh, a writer for PenaltyBoxRadio.com. As it happens, uh, as it happens to to go,
2: outstanding website.
1: Yeah, that's a great website. I hear, I hear it's great. Eric, what's going on? How much? How are y'all? Awesome. So, if, if folks that don't know, if you need to know anything, and I mean anything that is going on with the prospects for the Nashville Predators, and I'm talking about in the AHL, in any of the CHL leagues, in uh, overseas, in college, everything. You need to follow on the future PBR because Eric does a fantastic job keeping up with everything. He watches all these games. He tracks these players. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. I want to start with the AHL. I want to talk about the Admirals for a second. Uh, I know they had a big win over the Marlies today. Um, what is uh, what's kind of your takeaway? The first you know few weeks of the Admiral season, how have they looked? Uh, anything standing out for you at this point with uh, with the
0: ads? Yeah, I mean, I think the big story so far has been kind of two things. One, you know, the goaltending's been really good, uh, particularly Yaroslav uh three wins and five appearances, um, nine thirty-five save percentage. He's looked great, um, and you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's kind of been some offensive struggles up front, which I think is, uh, you know, hasn't been that surprising. You know, this the forward group looks pretty different than it did last year with a lot of um, new guys coming in, and, and some of them are just kind of finding their sea legs playing pro hockey for the first time. So uh, they've had some scoring troubles uh, the past couple of weeks. Today, obviously, they, they uh, put in seven goals, so uh, hopefully that's a bit of a shift in the right direction. But, uh, yeah, interesting start to the year.
1: So, everyone wants to know. I mean, most people want to know how is Joachim Kimmel doing because he's, you know, the hot new, you know, offensive uh, possibility for the future, right? And he's, uh, he had such a great start last year, especially with the playoff run and everything. So, like, outside of Askarov, I think it's like, how's Kimmel looking? And I know he had a goal today that looked pretty nice, but what do you see so far out of of him this year?
0: Yeah, I think he looked, looked good. One of the things that I, um, spoke with head coach Carl Taylor about to start the season was uh, you know, something he wanted to see from him was learning to play with a target on your back, knowing that other teams are circling your name on the roster and saying, this is the guy we got to watch out for and responding to that pressure. Uh, and I think he's done a nice job of, of, uh, of doing that to start the season. He's got five, four points in eight games, which, uh, you know, obviously isn't like amazing, but uh, his 200 foot games look better. Mm-hmm. He looks stronger on the puck um he's executing moves i think at fast pace more than he was when he first came over last year so definitely rounding out the game and i think um the kind of increased points rate will certainly come soon
2: eric it's sean by the way how you doing Good, Sean. How are you? <laughs> Good, man. Look, uh, I want to say this. Uh, first off, thanks for joining us. I, I want to ask about somebody who started the season with the Admirals but is currently playing at the NHL, NHL level with the Predators. Talk to me about Mark Del Geizo.
0: Yeah, really um, excited for Del DelGaiso to get the call up. Uh, I think as a lot of folks know, he-, he competed hard in training camp and almost earned a roster spot there. Uh, And maybe some folks were looking towards Spencer Stastny or Jake Livingstone to kind of be the first guy called up, Uh, but it's been Mark Delgado, and and I think it's been well deserved. He's been really solid at the AHL level the past couple years. Um, He's never been like a huge points total guy, um, but I think he's been really effective at both ends of the ice. Has played on the penalty kill, plays on the power play. Uh, I think he's a decent skater. Uh, He manages his gaps well. He doesn't find himself too far out of position. Uh, and he's got some tools to be a bit of a weapon um, at both ends. So excited he's getting some NHL experience. um, And, you know, if if you can kind of find a player in him and you find someone in Stastny or Livingstone too, then um, all of a sudden that's three guys who uh, could play a serious NHL minutes for this team down in the long haul. Uh,
1: So, Eric, I didn't wear it tonight, but I have a Saskatoon Blades hoodie now because I'm a huge (laughs) Saskatoon Blades fan now. Huge. And the reason is, well, one of the reasons is because of Tanner Mullendyke. And uh, this guy has looked, I mean, in the games that I've watched, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've, I only really watched just to be entertained because I'm not trying to do, you know, like, I, like you're, you're watching these games because you're, you're really watching specifically like how are these guys developing and everything. And that's great. <laughs> I'm just watching to be entertained. And that guy is really good. And it's really fun to watch. But tell us. Is, is Tanner Mullendyke just, is he, is he, is he really doing this? Like, is he really, he seems to be like the best prospect that they have at defense and maybe the best one in a while. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, he's got so many things going for him. And the first thing is that, you know, if you've followed my work for a few years, you know, I've been kind of banging the drum on Spencer Staffney for a while as, as the best kind of mechanically skater in yeah. the organization. And Carl Taylor said the same thing. Other folks have said the same thing. And, I mean, you watch him skate, and it's it's no surprise. Uh, I think somehow Tanner Mullendike might have him beat, uh, which wow. is really impressive. Uh, and uh, it's, it's hard to do that. So that's, like, a great foundation right off the bat. Uh, he's looked really great for Saskatoon this year. They've been pretty dominant when he's been on the ice. I think they've given up just five even-strength goals um, with him on the ice this year. Uh, one stat that is really... Should be, you know, impressive to me is is um, of all the po- of all the goals uh, or sorry of all the points uh, scored at even strength by Saskatoon when he's on the ice, he has gotten a primary point so either the goal or primary assist on 42% of them, which is unheard wow. of for wow. a defenseman. Um, <laughs> pretty much everyone else in the system is hovering around like 10 to 15%. Um, and he's at 42 uh in similar sample size which is pretty crazy a lot of forwards maybe only hit like 33 35 so right uh you know is that sustainable for the whole season we'll see but he looked really great to start the year
1: so speaking of forwards what about some of the other guys in the in the CHL in the WHL and the OHL uh, Joey Willis, Kalen Lind, Austin Roost like those guys what are they what do they look like so far?
0: Yeah, I think Roos has been really good. Uh, 14 points in 15 games. Uh, Everett's kind of finding their feet there uh, in the WHL. Uh, he plays a really solid kind of two-way game. He's not by any means the most skilled or the like best defensive forward out there, but he's really good at a lot of things, um, kind of in a way that Martel Geisel is, and um, he's had, I think, 11 points in his last 10 games or something like that, so he's really coming on hot. Uh, I've been really impressed with his game, and he's a bit older, so... Uh, not too far from being age already, I'd say. and um, Willis have been a little disappointing to start the year, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, huh. Willis' Saginaw team is uh, hosting the Memorial Cup this year, and they are under 500 to start the year, which is not great. Hmm. Um, he's scored just two goals in 14 games, one of which is an empty netter. Uh, defensive prowess is there, but just hasn't been finding the score sheet. Uh, as much, and similar with Lynn, just one primary point this year in, in 11 games. Uh, he's actually dealing with an upper body injury right now, uh, but Red Deer is is not very good as a team, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to, get him, to see him move to uh, contender later this year.
2: All right, Eric, uh, so we talked about Tanner Molendyk, of course the Predators' first-round draft pick in this last draft. They actually had two picks in the first round, the other one being Matthew Wood. Give me an update on Matthew Wood.
0: Yeah, he's been phenomenal. UConn's had a a bit of a tough start to the season. They've had some pretty, I would say, inexcusable losses uh, here and there, but five goals, eight points in ten games. Six of those eight points have been primary ones scored at even strength, Um, so not just relying on power play production. Uh, He, you know, the big knock on him has been uh, his skating, Um, and I won't sit here and say that it's been magically fixed, but you can definitely see improvements in it to start the year. He had a goal the other night driving to the net. Uh, beat a couple of defenders out wide, and he, he looked really good on his feet there.
1: I, I saw that uh, one. Was that was to, that was yeah, nice.
0: Able to execute some some high end hand moves um, while while kind of pushing forward there. So uh, he looked solid. Um, really excited about him, and, and um, you know I think as long as he gets some more skating work with the Preds development, develop deal de- 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 whatever Pred staff, <laughs> uh, he'll uh, he'll be there. A legitimate top six forward uh, here soon enough, I think.
1: Okay, give us one name uh, that we haven't mentioned yet that has impressed you so far this year. It could be someone. It could be a goalie. It could be a defender, forward. It could be here in North America or overseas. One name that, that's that's kind of standing out so far, just this first the first early going of this season.
0: Yeah, um, probably the first guy that sticks to my comes to mind is um, Fedor Spechkov. Um, You know, he's had okay. um up and down moments since the Preds drafted him a couple of years ago. Um, wasn't really getting any KHL playing time. Wasn't really producing in the VHL as much as he should. Was too good for the NHL, all that stuff. I really liked his game. Um, in the AHL, the series got four points in eight games, uh, playing um, playing alongside Dennis Garionov a lot, and uh, they've been really good together. Uh, today, in fact, was the first day that uh, Theodore Spetschkoff has been on the ice for an even-strength goal against uh, in eight games. Um, which maybe means nothing, but I really like his defensive game. I think he's starting to blossom a bit more offensively. Uh, I think he's going to be racking up assists a lot more here as the year continues.
1: Yeah, Sveshkov, that's a great one. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see him him produce uh, at, at this level and and see if he can make the jump because I mean that's kind of a, a guy that. You know, maybe kind of got lost in the shuffle in terms of their their recent mm-hmm. draft picks and that would be that would be great for him to to make an appearance. Eric, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I just cannot say enough like everyone needs to follow uh, you on on yes. Twitter because it is uh fantastic content. Every, and it's consistent too. Like every week, every day, every day, there's something like highlights or things that you don't you don't normally see. And uh, it's just a resource for people to uh, who are really into the preds and want to know what the the next thing is. So, thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Up next, we're gonna
1: talk about uh, we're gonna preview the next few games. We're gonna do the three on three draft, and I might have a chance to talk about what I tweeted today about Yuso Parson. Oh. Speaking of speaking of Eric Yuso Parson and. Uh, And I've got some things to say that um, I think might uh, ruffle some feathers. But uh, we're going to do that when we come back. Show's almost over, but your real estate journey is just beginning. With
2: Salus Realty Group, you're always on the winning team. Their dedication to clients is as relentless as the Preds on a power play. Lace up for your real estate play at salusrealtygroup.com. Salus Realty Group, where every deal is a hat trick.
1: And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio Live, presented by Silas Realty Group. Once again, I want to thank Eric for coming on. We need to do that more often. Like, oh, we, yeah. need, we need to have him on a lot because, look, I think that the 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 brand of Penalty Box Radio has been kind of built around you know when Justin started, it's kind of built around hockey from everywhere, yeah. right? And not just the Preds, not just the Admirals, but everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to keep carrying that on and and have have talk about these prospects, these players that. Are part of the system that are from all over college hockey and, and all that.
2: Well, they're, they're names that just because you don't know who they are right now, I yeah. mean, these are names you're going to be hearing a lot more often. When they I, yeah. show up exactly. in gold, it'd be nice to have an idea of who and, they you, are.
1: And you know what else I think it'll do? I think it'll help temper expectations. I think it's it's important for people, because I mean, we all remember the Tolvin in madness, and yes. uh, the th- same thing happened with Fiala and even Forsberg back in the day, where people get so obsessed with this one guy. Yeah, like this one guy is the one that's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna do it for us. Sure, we're gonna win it all with this guy. Tolvanen's I just, gonna I, carry I us.
2: Remember the Ellie Tolvanen coming in on yeah. the golden chariot of goals <laughs> and offense, and,
1: and it just isn't that way, right? And no. so I think I think if you talk about more guys, let's like let's not just talk about Joachim Kimmel. Let's yeah. talk about Tanner Molendyk. Let's talk to. about Svechkov. Let's talk about Kalen Lind. Yeah. Let's talk about Zach Larue. Sure, let's talk about Askarov. All these guys are gonna be part of that next wave right and and I think uh, just
2: hear me out had we been able to do this the past couple of years yeah I don't think Tommy Novak would have been such a surprise
1: oh that's a good point well may, maybe not him because he was I, I think he surprised everyone right I don't I, I, I don't think everyone. I don't think Eric if we got him back on the line would say that he thought Novak would be this may, maybe he maybe he did but I will tell you about one guy that he did know about and that's Yusso Parson. Oh boy! So let's get into it. <laughs>
2: let's let's ruffle some feathers. Alex. So,
1: well, I mean, when I tweeted this out earlier, I really didn't think it was. I, I my ultimate conclusion was not in in, a, in any way to talk bad about Yusso Parson because I, I'm never going to do that. He's too awesome, right? Oh yeah, we love we love Uso, But I think the problem is his his production is kind of tanked, right?
2: Well, it's it's not been what it was.
1: So I I just kind of did a little dive into some advanced numbers and just just to try to see, you know, what what's going on because he started out kind of like last year, he had a couple goals in the first game or first couple games. Um uh, but then over the last 6 games he hasn't had a point. He hasn't scored a goal since October 12th. He hasn't really been a part of the offense at all. And I think a big reason why is because 6 games ago, 5, five games ago, I guess 6 games ago now. He was taken off the top line. Yeah, he was with Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg, yeah. and doing well. And then Toronto came to town, and they were like, "Let's put Gus Nyquist up there." and he hasn't really gotten back since, No, and I and think it, that's been a problem.
2: There's There's mm-hmm. been a lot of movement, I think, with Parson and trying to find where he's going to fit best, and it, it's a little concerning to me uh-huh. that that place is not on the top line with, with these guys who do so much producing. So, you know, seeing him move around, seeing that kind of – I don't want to use the term line blender because I don't think that's necessarily what it is, but trying to find <laughs> the right spot is a little bit – I don't know. I don't like being in that world with Parson, but that's that's where we are
1: and he's in he's in a tough spot where he's got to try to prove that he belongs to be put back on that top line while playing with lesser skilled players.
2: <laughs> that's and that's the uh, I think that's the catch twenty two is yeah. that you are given this opportunity. You're up there with you're up there with Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly. You are exactly where I think anybody would want to be playing on the wing, right? and then for whatever reason maybe production's lower the team is getting blasted who knows the coach sees you you know maybe take a shift off who knows but you get moved down and now you're not there anymore you're not given that place you're playing and it's it's it sounds bad to say but it's true you're playing with lesser skilled players i don't think anyone can argue that when it comes to some other players on the team they're not as skilled as philip forsberg and ryan yep. o'reilly but now you've got to prove that you belong back up there and those guys aren't going to be able to do for you mm-hmm. what Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly can do.
1: And I don't think there was anything in his game that really changed. I mean, I it at least p- perhaps there are some things that he could do better, but I think his physical abilities haven't really changed. It's just he just needs those opportunities, man. Yeah. It's just like he needs to get back in that in those uh in those moments. So, we'll see if that happens. I mean, they I, they definitely need to make some changes after Calgary because That was a bad game. And they're going to get their first chance tomorrow at Winnipeg. So this will be the final game of the road trip at Winnipeg. Then they come back home for Arizona Saturday and then the Anaheim Ducks next Tuesday.
2: And I'm going to say let me say two things. One, I think the biggest yeah. thing is that Parsonen just needs to get that swagger back. If you look back to last season, with that that little shrug, that kind of smirk, that just yeah. chip on my shoulder, like eh, no big deal. I'd yeah. do that all day. He needs to get back to that. But you mentioned the Anaheim Ducks, Alex, and I, I want to say that I don't know. I don't know if everyone's been paying attention to the Anaheim Ducks They're pretty because. Good. For the past few seasons, they've kind of been—I don't know if the term "dumpster fire" is is appropriate—but definitely, you know, so, something to kick around on the ground yeah. for for a, a while.
1: And now but they're kicking people. Now around. they're
2: kicking people around. Yeah. It's it's been a big—it's uh, a, a one eighty, I think. Yeah, For the team. And I think <laughs> I've been very surprised. They mentioned it before on the show. Their youth is starting to produce like they've kind of expected. The investment they've made in those younger players. This could be a pretty intense matchup.
1: That's right. Speaking of intense matchups, guess what it's time for, Sean? Um, The three-on-three draft. Oh, uh, how did I not know? The three-on-three draft. Here we go. The final segment of the show is our three-on-three draft. If you're unfamiliar with what we're doing, this is where Sean and I draft something. And today... We are drafting our 90s music rock festival, okay? So here's how this is going to oh, go. Boy. We are drafting a 90s festival. Okay. All right, so it is the 90s, and you have three bands that you are putting in your 90s festival. Oh, okay? boy. Now, you have to draft a headliner. Okay. And you have to draft two opening acts. All right. I think that's important to say because you can't just draft three, op- three headliners, right?
2: No. Wait, what do you mean? Well,
1: okay, we can. It's fine. You can okay. you can draft three brands. It doesn't matter. But you're drafting a headliner and two opening okay. acts. Who's? I guess what I mean is you have to designate who's opening for who. D- I, deal. Yeah, I that's, got it. That's what I mean. I got it. And also, this can be in any from any not any year in the '90s, and you don't have to draft all three acts from the same year. So you can go like early '90s with one band, and then like late '90s with another band. So keep that in mind. And who goes first? Is it me or you? I think uh, it's you. Is it, is it me? I'm pretty sure it's you. Oh, oh
2: boy. All right. Okay. Let's well, hear it. I figured if I had the first, uh, first pick that I was going to go for the throat, uh, there's no reason not to. And, uh, you know, I figure there's one band that I never got to see live. Alex, I was alive for all of the 90s. Um, I'm assuming you were too. I was just older during them. But here's the thing. This is a band I never I, got to see. I don't see, know
1: what right? you're asking, but I was not dead for any of the 90s. Is that what you're yeah, asking? I mean, but
2: you were, you're old enough to have been alive for all the 90s is <laughs> yes, what I mean. correct. I, I know you're a little bit younger than I am, but <clears throat> uh, correct. It, you were there. So it's not like this is like, Oh, Alex doesn't. Alex knows the 90s just like I do. But here's the thing. One band that I never got to see, that I'll never get to see, and I'm pretty disappointed for having never gotten to or never getting to see them, and I want to make them my, my headliner, and that of course is Nirvana.
1: Okay, so you took my you took my first pick. I, I had a feeling that was going to happen. That's okay. That's why. So you, you took Nirvana you number 1 overall. I think that's a pretty clear number 1 overall pick. I, I can't disagree with Nirvana as the number 1 overall. My my pick is I think a very solid number 2. It is <laughs> <laughs> And that is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So that's my that's my pick. So my my headliner is Red Hot Chili Peppers. What is your second pick? Who are you going with second? So you got the Nirvana. Who is opening for them?
2: Okay, well, Alex, I'll tell you, it was going to be the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <sighs> Somebody stole it. But that's fine. <clears throat> I got Nirvana. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to go with a, a band that, that uh, you know, brought a little bit more fun to the 90s than Nirvana, because I think it was as an opening act, you want, you want to, before everything gets really heavy, Mm-hmm. You want to have some fun. So I'm gonna go with Green Day.
1: Okay. I considered them. I considered Green Day. I, I do like early Green Day. I the problem is I'm just not a fan of, of, of later Green Day, but this is the nineties, so they wouldn't have been
2: they wouldn't have been two thousand. We don't have post two thousand Green Day,
1: right. Yeah. So if you got uh the the first two albums, I can't think of the names of them, but Dookie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Dookie. That's my, why I thought
2: a solid number two was funny.
1: My second pick I think I'm going off the board here, because I don't think you're going to pick this one. You're probably right. The Spin Doctors.
2: Oh, you've got a pocket full of kryptonite, huh? Yeah.
1: I think the reason they would be a perfect headline or opening act, I only need to hear pocket full of kryptonite, I need to hear two princes, and I need to hear Little Miss can't be wrong, and then get off the stage.
2: Not That's You don't want to hear, to hear Cleopatra's cat?
1: I don't need to hear any of that. No, okay. I, I just want them. All right, what's your that's what's your a, next? That's pick? a deep cut.
2: Alex. What's your final pick? Okay, final pick in this. I'm going. I'm going <laughs> for the for the Sean Smith nostalgia here. I'm going for the nostalgia for me. Uh, one of my favorite bands from the '90s, a band I have seen numerous times. And while I think they could put on a headlining show of their own, I think it would be fun if you brought them in at the beginning of their their career with their original lineup to play the Blue Album, and that's Weezer.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great one too. Weezer we, So you got Who Who are your three bands I've Nirvana got, I've got Nirvana Green Day and Weezer That's a great lineup You know what My third pick Is total Is, is d- definitely Not on anyone's list But it's only It's only for uh, Just like <laughs> I, I have to see What this would have been like Okay I want to see The Spice Girls <laughs> I have got to see What that would have been like I don't. The Spice Girls right once in a lifetime, once in a, once in history. Did a group like that exist?
2: Alex, tell me what you want. What you really, what I really want is really the Spice want. Girls. Okay. So I
1: have. All right. So Junie is going to uh, grade this for us. He's going to tell us who won. Uh, Sean has Nirvana. Nirvana, Green Day, and Weezer. And I have Red Hot Chili Peppers, Spin Doctors, and Spice Girls. What a
2: an odd show.
1: Who wins? Fellas, great picks. Uh, I think
2: if I'm looking at just the headliner, Alex, I would go with you because okay. Chili Peppers are my favorite 90s band. But if we're looking at overall, I have to go with Sean because, one, right. I've never heard of the Spin Doctors because I was born <laughs> in 96, so I don't think that they were as mainstream uh, for me. Yeah, and sense. I would much rather listen to Green Day and Weezer That's over right. the Spice Girls, so I'm going with Sean.
1: <laughs> Junie, they weren't mainstream for anyone. I think I, think I, would, I would – I think you'd be surprised at how entertaining the Spice Girls would be. I think it would just be such a spectacle.
2: I don't – I am I guess – I don't know. That's where the age difference starts to show up on that one, right?
1: Well, speaking of spectacles, this spectacle is now over. Thank you for listening to Penalty Box Radio Live. We uh, appreciate you uh, listening to us. We, of course, are brought to you by Salus Realty Group. Salazar Realty Group is your premier destination for Nashville, Tennessee real estate. Also, thank you to the Nashville Spartans. Nashville's one and only junior hockey team based in Owensville. We'll see everyone next week. Finally, the Predators will be home. We'll have a couple games to talk about then. Until next time, Sean. Alex. See you later. See you, man. Thanks for listening.